listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now present an encore presentation of Carmelite Conversations. Well, welcome again to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We're so happy to have you with us here today. Uh, and I welcome to the studio as I do each week, Francis Harry. How are you today, Francis? Oh, I'm feeling really blessed and very excited. We've got the conclave starting tomorrow, so I, I'm urging all of our audience to please pray for the Holy Spirit to come upon all of our cardinals. We need to be doing that, don't we? We just heard that, actually, I noticed on the program that just completed in front of us here, the need for us as a Catholic Church to be praying in this time. I think the Holy Spirit is calling on all of us, certainly in our own uh, order the Carmelites we've been commissioned uh, to enter into deep uh, prayer uh, that the Holy Spirit will guide the Cardinals in their difficult decision-making process I noticed a Cardinal George from Chicago said in a recent uh, uh, press uh, statement that um, discerning God's will is not easy and this is true for us I think in our daily lives but in this most critical time for our church it's very important that the faithful uh, engage in prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to support the cardinals as they make this uh, most important decision. Right, and tonight we're going to be talking about prayer. Uh, specifically, we're going to continue with part two of the series on Francisco de Osuna's uh, prayer of recollection. And we, one of our sources was his book, The Third Spiritual Alphabet. And yeah, a, a great book, actually, a very lengthy book. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, um, one well worth the time and the effort to uh, to read. We're using an article, of course, that used that as a source document. Um, and we've also got some other materials that we want to talk through tonight as uh, sources for some of the information. But let's begin first, as we do each week, and give ourselves over to the Holy Spirit in prayer. Francis, would you lead us? Yes, and this comes from a prayer of Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Oh my God, you are in me, and I am in you. I have found my heaven on earth, since heaven is you, O Lord, and you are in my soul. I can find you there always, even when I do not feel your presence. You are there nevertheless, and I like to seek you there. Oh, if only I could never leave you alone. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, that's a powerful prayer. I'm very familiar with that. And uh, Elizabeth says a couple of things there that are interesting. And though I don't want to make this a program about Elizabeth, this idea, which is very familiar to the saints, of heaven on earth um, and never leaving the Lord alone. That's the practice of recollection. That's what it is. And, of course, um, we know, as we discussed, Francis, in the first uh, program on this particular topic of recollection last week, uh, the need for us to maintain a constant state of recollection. This is what Paul meant when he said, pray without ceasing. It's also the condition uh, that we were meant to be in. We were meant to be in constant communication with God, but somewhere along the way, of course, uh, we lost that connection, that intimacy with our Lord. And so we talk about recollection as something we have to regain, but the... Um, the truth of the matter is it should be our normal state throughout the course of our daily lives. Absolutely. And to begin this um, second part of the series, uh, we're going to continue with an article uh, that we gleaned that was written by David Travers, um, found at meditationsfromcarmel.com. 
And it is from an article entitled, Our Carmelite Promise to Ponder Always in the Imitation of Mary. And last week we did uh, talk about Mary and that constant pondering and how we are to imitate her. And tonight we're going to take this a little bit further uh, on what uh, Francisco de Suno, uh, how he described this prayer of recollection, and, and really uh, quickly get into how Teresa took on this prayer and how she uh, adapted it and brought it to Carmel. Well, and let's start with some of the things that Teresa added to this course. Last week we talked about uh, the importance of maintaining uh, a, a prayerful uh, state throughout the course of our day, recognizing that preparation for prayer begins hours before prayer actually starts, right? Yes. Um, <clears throat> if we're constantly taking in uh, you know, distracting uh, input, whether it's through television or radio or music or the books that we read, if we're exposing ourselves, and I'm not even talking necessarily here about sinful things, though Teresa does, and it's one of the first counsels she's going to give us this evening, but, but just this um, uh, uh, unfortunate uh, reality of our modern society where we're constantly bombarded by external input. You know, we talked uh, yesterday in community, as a matter of fact, about uh, the young people and now even, frankly, older people who we see walking around with these various devices plugged into their ear. And there's this constant stream of of input, whether it's, again, music or, or uh, radio or what have you, um, all of that feeds in the imagination, it feeds to our subconscious, and it makes it difficult for us both to extract ourselves from that environment and also uh, to purify our heart, to get ourselves focused on um, a pure attention uh, to God and what he has to share with us. Yes, and I think that would be an encouragement for everybody to turn their radios off once in a while. <laughs> Not while we're discussing this topic, however. <laughs> but yes, we need that time for silence and solitude. But you know, one of the biggest things that really uh, significantly impacts our prayer life is sin <clears throat> and the effect of venial sin. Would you like to comment on that? Yeah, Teresa tells us, you know, it's not so much, and I think and hope for many of the listeners uh, to this program, uh, a constant state of mortal sin would be a challenge that they had to hopefully overcome. If not, uh, we, of course, have uh, the sacrament of reconciliation and, and spiritual guidance that can help us with those issues. But uh, assuming that we've uh, put some of that behind us and now we're talking about um, lesser uh, significant sins, venial sins, St. Teresa wants to caution us and say um, these, though they may be um, uh, lesser in terms of the, the nature of the sin, they are still sufficient to distract us in our prayer time. Venial sin or uh, this insidious nature of sin uh, can do a great deal of damage to our soul, a great deal of damage to our ability uh, to purify our heart um, and to get ourselves in a state of recollection where we can uh, have communication with God. What are we talking about? Maybe fits of anger, maybe uh, a propensity for the consumption of alcohol, perhaps, um, you know, little thefts that we engage in or little white lies that we tell, maybe even for admirable reasons. But nonetheless, these, these um, uh, activities will weaken the will 
and they will make it difficult for us to turn our will towards um, God's will and purify ourselves. The model of this, of course, following St. Teresa was St. Therese and the emphasis that she put on the little things in our life and how important they were. Did you want to try to summarize some of the statements that Osina uh, spoke about this prayer in particular? Yeah, I think it's a good way to begin, uh, Francis. As we discussed, there are some sort of key points that you gleaned from the article from the website. Did you read the website? Uh, yeah, let me introduce yeah. this. We found a website that has a lot about Francisco de Asuna, and it was at www.contemplativespirituality.org. And um, lots of really good articles. And yeah, that's all one phrase, right? Contemplative spirituality dot org. Right. Dot, obviously, mm-hmm. but contemplative spirituality. Yes. Dot org. Right. And um, I'll try to put that on our Facebook. So any of you out there that are connected to the internet want to go to our Facebook page, which is Carmelite Conversations. I will try to put a link to our Facebook page to this site. But anyway, um, one of them uh, had a summary of the essential principles of his teaching on recollection. I thought it was very good. And, of course, we know recollection can comprise both the vocal, the mental, and forms of passive prayer. So that's important. And we also know that it is a constant, not a one-time shot thing, but a constant alertness and receptivity to God. And it's taking these moments of awareness of God and being open to God to his transforming power. And, of course, this can be very effective where, you know, the love is most important. We remember that St. Teresa of uh, Ava had said it's not to think much, but to love much. And, you know, I think in her time there was quite a big emphasis on the thinking part and the discursive meditation and the knowledge. And, and yet that can get in the way at some point in prayer. Now, you need that at the beginning, um, to For, help formality, you. a method, if you will, right? Well, and also just to get to know who this man, Jesus Christ, the God Man, who he is. Right. No, I'm, I'm referring to the comment about um, the um, challenge imposed by uh, too formal a method can lead us into thinking that the method is the merit yes, in prayer, exactly, as opposed to the loving, which you've just said. Right. It's, it's all about love. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting to that familiarity with our Lord, so that we can enter into this affective or emotional or not not purely emotional but a purified state of love as opposed to the method but you also said the method is helpful at the beginning it's helpful to have okay i'm going to begin this way and then i'm going to move through this stage and then i'm as we begin this process it's helpful to do that uh, but eventually we use that simply as sort of a pathway into the... Or, or framework. And yeah. we, we depart as God calls us. And so, you know, I thought this was so freeing uh, when Teresa said that, you know, really this is about having a loving, intimate conversation with God. Uh, and I'm like, oh, good. It frees me from thinking of all those steps because I found that burdensome. But anyway, uh, this recollection is uh, a way of friendship with God. And Teresa latches onto that and, and takes it so much further but i think she gets that from de asuna and of course this is um our way of uh preparing uh to be open to that relationship to contribute to it but also to be on the receiving end but we've got to empty our heart uh, of all the distractions of all the attachments so you know of course we're going to practice detachment and mortification and uh, you know humility is a bedrock foundation of all prayer and the other thing is very important that he points out is that recollection is progressive 
So there are beginning stages of it, and there are middle stages, and then there are those who are um, very well-groomed in prayer at a deep stage of prayer that are still practicing recollection, and I think that's important to know. And that, you know, really this is a a way of the love of goodness. You know, God is goodness. And so um, this is a, a paradigm for the whole spiritual life. It's not like you practice recollection one day and then you're done with it. Right. It's not a stage to be gotten through and then you're finished. It is a practice, a habit of life. Yeah, we've said so many times, prayer is not an activity. It is a state of being. It is the condition we should be in continuously. Now, that doesn't mean that I must continuously be speaking vocal prayer, nor does it mean that I'm forever in the chapel in front of the Eucharist, nor does it even mean that I'm continually thinking about these things. But these are ways that the Lord will work with us early on in conditioning a state of recollection to draw us into uh, this um, uh, constant reminder of his presence, as as St. Lawrence would have said to us. And as much as Teresa liked what she learned from Deosuna. There there were still some issues that she had and and that she wasn't able to keep this constant state of pure emptiness. And so um, from an article that we uh, had read um, from Ernest Larkin, Father Larkin, who is of the ancient observant branch of Carmel, he had said that, well, as a result of her unable to maintain the state of pure emptiness at the beginning, um, she introduces imagery and simple reflections, particularly scenes from the Passion of Jesus, and she alternates this silence with, with reflection. Um, especially she liked the image of the humanity of Christ, and um, that was a constant point of return for her. But then she would also pick up and use books. And I'm going to turn it over to you to comment on the use of books in prayer. I I just want to echo your point about the imagery, because this is a confusing uh, issue. If you're reading St. John of the Cross, or if you're reading some of the other saints, they'll diminish the significance of imagery. And what they're saying is, remember, anything we use our imagination to create is something that we've created. It is based on our um, uh, our knowledge, our reading, and so on and so forth. But we've created that image. And what Teresa was cautioned against was uh, creating this imagery uh, of her own, which she was challenged at doing anyway. She said, well, I don't really have an active imagination. I'm not good at that. But then later, through Deosuna and... Um, uh, Peter of Alcantara, she was uh, um, introduced to the idea that, yes, you should diminish this sort of creative element that is human in nature, but never lose the humanity of Christ, never lose the recognition that Christ entered into our experience, lived his life in, in much the same way that we do, faced the same challenges, and we should um, hold on to that. We should make sure that we stay close to that. And, uh, you know, we, we got to remember, too, that she built on relationship. That was so fundamental and so critical. And, and Desuna, he introduced that, but she really um, brings it to the fore and, and emphasizes it in a whole new perspective, I think. Yeah. The um, reading that, uh, that Francis just mentioned a moment ago, and I want to just emphasize uh, St. Teresa's focus on reading. This is not an intellectual reading. This is not uh, seeking to acquire knowledge. This is using uh, text from the gospel or perhaps from the saints or the classic uh, uh, spiritual works to, again, 
uh, bring about that intimacy and that realization of the Lord's presence. So when should this reading be done? Well, she says preferably before uh, our prayer time. So it's not um, the um, prayer itself. It is what we call proximate preparation. Just before I enter into prayer, I would do this reading. Now, quite frankly, um, if you're talking about the gospel, a good idea would be to read the gospel reading for Mass the next day, read that the night before, and then as you get ready for prayer in the morning, you might read that same um, scripture verse, that same um, um, gospel passage. Uh, what's the use of the re- of the reading? It says, it serves the purpose of offering a subject for the meditation to those who might otherwise be prevented from making a preparation. In other words, this can serve as your preparation. You could also use uh, a, an event that you may be challenged with in your day-to-day life and what have you, but reading is a, is a great way to do this. Should the reading always serve uh, to prepare a subject for meditation? Uh, such is its principal purpose, and this distinguishes it from so-called spiritual reading. In other words, what we just said, it's not intellectual reading. Yeah. It is not designed to, um, uh, you know, increase your knowledge. It may well do that, but that's not the objective. The objective is to uh, focus on a mechanism for helping us enter into a state of recollection and and convict us in God's love for us. You know, I think that is very important here. So it's not like you're, um, you know, you're reading for knowledge, but you're reading for love. (laughs) Yeah. And she says just to that point about uh, entering into a love relationship. First of all, we should read with attention since the purpose of the reading is to find a subject of conversation with our Lord. For this reason, we should also read with a certain slowness. Otherwise, the subjects adopted will pass unnoticed. In addition, we should read with devotion, and she uses the word recollection, because these good dispositions emphasize a searching heart, uh, something useful that we're looking for, that the soul is searching for, um, attention, receptivity. These are all areas that we should focus on. I don't know that we can actually describe this, Francis. It's one of those difficult things. All I can say is take even two sentences out of the gospel where the Lord is speaking, for example, and really slowly read that text and then read it again and say to yourself, what jumps off the page? For those of you who are familiar, you'll immediately recognize what we're talking about is a form of Lexio Divina yes. uh, or divine reading. But I can't emphasize enough the significance of entering into the Word, chewing on the Word of God. Really, um, the word is masticating, you know, the chewing and the grinding, if you will. But we're doing this not with our mind so much, not with our intellect, but with our heart. Lord, what are you trying to say to me? How does this apply to my life? Uh, What ways uh, can I... Um, take this message and apply it uh, in circumstances that perhaps are challenging for me today. These are the sorts of um, uh, dialogues, if you will, that we might enter into um, in the reading. So it's much deeper, going much uh, uh, deeper into the text than just surface reading. Yeah, I know Therese, St. Therese, the little flower, she often used the imitation of Christ for that purpose. And, of course, at the end, you know, it was all of the Gospels. Um, but, you know, I found that these books called Sermons on a Saint, uh, they have all these quotes of the saints. There's a lot of good nuggets there for for pondering and for reflection and uh, for pause. And, of course, you know, you might be in this prayer and then you might need to go back to the book and read just a little bit, but, but not to be reading to get through a chapter, not like that, but reading to find a point to ponder, to feed your soul, to... Uh, 
to help embrace that relationship with God. Yeah, and in fact, if the reading that you've selected is rich enough, if you will, if the text is rich enough, it really wouldn't take much. Uh, some of my favorite authors, Elizabeth of the Trinity would certainly be among them, uh, a simple sentence or two is enough for uh, 30 minutes of, of recollection and reflection. And again, uh, I want to emphasize, as I know Francis does, it's a, a means of entering into the prayer. It is not the prayer itself. What Teresa is giving us in this idea of reading, and again, we're talking about the prayer of recollection. This is not Lexio Divina itself, and it is not necessarily, um, uh, certainly not a, a contemplative prayer at this stage. What we're talking about is disposing ourselves, preparing ourselves, opening ourselves, making ourselves receptive. I, I would use this phrase, the reading is a way to anchor ourselves from what otherwise would be the distractions. Of our mind, Teresa yes. says, look, all these wild horses are running. I just need an anchor. So she grabs the anchor of the phrase in the book, and that's how she begins mm. her process. Well put. And, of course, by practicing this kind of prayer, it, it is to uh, prepare yourself and engage in this active recollection, which leads to a passive recollection where, where God is calling you deeper within. But it, here it is. You, the soul, are entering within yourself to be with God. And as Teresa says in the way of perfection, and the divine master comes more quickly to teach it and give it this prayer of quiet, which would be the next level of prayer, than he would through any other method. So if you really want to grow in prayer, you really should embrace this prayer oh, of recollection. You, absolutely, you must. Recollection is the way. And I want to emphasize something you just said as well. Uh, the idea that we have to enter in. You know, so many people think that the process of prayer is an exterior, that I'm going out to something, I'm going out to God, or I'm going out to the Holy Spirit. Really, it's it's the very opposite. It is turning in, and yeah. it is recognizing that God is within us. But we have to sort of cut our way through all that exterior distraction, emotions and feelings and thoughts. And, you know, in fact, I wanted to capitalize on that one phrase that we spoke about before we came into the studio, Francis. Thoughts start war if yeah. the gate is not closed. That was from day soon. Say it again. Say it again. This yeah. is good. Thoughts, that's our internal thoughts, start war. If the gate is not closed, what do we mean? What does Deosuna mean? He's saying that if we're if we're distracted, if we're worried, if we're anxious, if we're angry, you know, if we're going back and forth, if we're judging, if we're asking God why, 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 if we're reasoning, even those thoughts, those reasonings, those back and forth will cause us to uh, delay our entry into recollection. Now, if we do go into this prayer of recollection, then Teresa gives us some guidance here to know if it's the real deal. She says, if the recollection is true, it is felt very clearly. Yes, yeah, stop. Re read that again, because I, I think okay. this is something, again, that many people perhaps are surprised when they first hear. These are Teresa's words. Yes, this is from The Way of Perfection, Chapter 28. If the recollection is true, it is felt very clearly. For it produces some effect in the soul. There is withdrawing of the senses. The eyes close. The faculties are drawn inward. And the soul is aware of being strengthened and fortified. So those a lot of key ideas there. Yeah, so we won't have to wonder, listeners, if we're entering a state of recollection. There are indications of it. Now, you may say, well, gee, I've never felt any of those things, so I guess I've never been recollected. Not necessarily true. We may not be yet uh, sufficiently 
sensitive to the fact that we have been drawn into recollection. And we're going to talk about this in a moment, Francis. When we come back from the break, I know I want to discuss this issue of the will, vice the intellect and the memory, right? right. Those are and the purification of those. So what Francis is describing is the will will enter into recollection, and there is a felt experiences uh, experience. Teresa's own words: "It is felt. It is recognized that I have begun to enter in uh, to, to uh, within myself, and am becoming calmer." Uh, I'm closing within. Uh, my eyes are closing. My senses are calming. There is a real uh, a physical manifestation of the experience of recollection. And our interior conversation now stops. We become more silent, and there is more of a gaze of interior love, a simple gaze of love. And we're just kind of like, I don't, I'm done talking. I just want to be, be with the Lord. And the other thing I think that will happen that, that people will experience is, They'll begin to sense uh, a, a state of order about what's around them. In other words, what caused all that distraction oh, good. will, yes. for a time, take on, and this is again from Teresa herself, take on the nature of simplicity. It will all become very simple, and we'll see, oh, it's not as confusing as I thought. It's not as uh, distracting as I thought. There's a simplicity to the experience of recollection that is, again, felt as Teresa says. And freeing. I, I like that idea. It's freeing you of all these steps and all these methods and just getting into the heart of it all. But you know what? We need to take a break here. Well, let's do that. And when we come back, we'll pick up on this um, uh, teaching of Teresa's on recollection. A reminder, you're listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home.
listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you're currently listening to is a rebroadcast of Carmelite Conversations. You know, one of the scripture passages that I think really helps us summarize this prayer of recollection, both the active and the passive forms, is from Psalm 46, number 10. Be still and know that I am God. Yeah, so important for us to understand what um, this idea of stillness. You know, we talk about these things in the material uh, sense of the word. That's where we live. We live in the, the physical world. We live in the material world. We live in the world of thought. And so often what we have to do when we unpack Scripture is try to get to the spiritual understanding. God is not simply talking here about being physically still. What he's talking about is stilling all of that emotion, all that reasoning, all that discursive debate that goes on in our hearts. Quite frankly, it starts in our head but ends up in our hearts. It it makes our heart impure, uh, the opposite of purifying our heart, and it causes us to be distracted. Um, this is what I was speaking about just before the break about this idea of simplicity. So much of what we spend time uh, being distracted by once we are brought into this state of recollection, uh, we begin to see things much more simply. Everything sort of becomes uh, prioritized, properly prioritized, if you will. Paul says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. What he's saying that there's nothing in our life, nothing that we dwell on, nothing that we're exposed to, that doesn't have purpose and meaning in the context of our relationship with God. Uh, Elizabeth, who we read a prayer from earlier this evening, has a great phrase about um, how the only, she began to see in the last uh, uh, weeks of her life, uh, how the only things that she had done for God in her life were the only things that mattered. In this largest context of our experience, uh, she saw that and she, she, in a flash, understood it. And she said, oh, if only I had always done everything for God. Um, of course, this is a woman who, you know, uh, spent a time in a karma. We believe one day will be a saint and, and certainly left us a great teaching. Uh, and all the great saints uh, echo that theme that only those things that are done for God really matter. In recollection, Teresa tells us, we'll experience that. We'll see the simplicity of all those. In fact, that leads into one of her quotes from The Way of Perfection, chapter 31. She says, the soul enters into peace. Right, so that's very important. And, of course, we know how having peace within helps us have peace without, and the world needs much more peace. But let me finish with the, the quote. She says, the, the soul enters into peace, or better, the Lord puts it at peace by his presence. The soul fails to understand how it understands, for this state resembles an interior and exterior swoon. The person feels the greatest delight in his body and a great satisfaction in his soul. The faculties are still, that's the memory, intellect, will, imagination. The faculties are still. They wouldn't want to busy, though they are not yet completely lost. Yeah, and lost, by the way, in this case, is an admirable state. She's saying she wants them to be lost, but here they're not yet completely lo lost. Lost where? You better say where that is lost so people in, know. Lost in God. And yes. this is the point we raised uh, before the break, and I, I don't know if we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. I don't want to jump ahead of uh, our mother, uh, Teresa of Avila, but um, I think it's important to emphasize this point. 
the will is what is captivated in love, right? As, as we come to know our Lord in an intimate way through imitation of him, um, the will is what becomes captivated. The intellect and the memory are sort of dragged along. What do we mean by the intellect? The intellect is, uh, again, our reasoning power, our thought power. It's, it's so impacted by um, our, our, um, our modern society we talked about earlier, all the technologies. It's impacted by conversations that we've had. It's impacted by what we read. The intellect, of course, uh, absorbs that information. It's not yet lost. Memory is all of our human experience, right? We have had good experiences with God and not so good experiences, things that confuse us. We've had good and bad relations with other human beings. We've had uh, depression. We've had great joy. John refers to these as joy, sorrow, fear, and hope, right? The passions. The passions affect our memory throughout the course of our life. They are what make us what we are. But ultimately, the memory has to be lost in the experience of God. What is that experience? Silence, simplicity, uh, peace, as Francis just said. But we're not quite lost yet. The wild horses that Teresa talks about uh, can still rage a little bit. And she says that. She says, uh, you know, these... these um, um, aspects of our nature, our intellect and memory, aren't yet fully purified. Now, faith, we know, is ultimately what will purify our intellect, and hope will purify our memory, um, but we're not quite there yet. We're still in, in somewhat the early stages, but we are in a state of recollection. Right. So, and so right here, the will is captive. Um, right here at this uh this uh, passive recollection and and more deeply so as it goes toward the next grade of prayer which would be the prayer of quiet i i'd like to bring up a, a quote of john of the cross saint john of the cross uh speaking on this prayer of recollection he says then god takes pleasure in her the soul and often manifests himself to her transforming her recollection that is her silence and making it divine for the knowledge of him capital h meaning god the knowledge of him is in divine silence and that is from saint john of the cross and so this this silence both the exterior and the interior disposes the soul to know and to listen to god who dwells within yeah and the the scripture verse here that i think is is so pertinent we've read it many times and after the earthquake of fire but the lord was not in the fire and after the fire a still small voice now we know ourselves that if uh, i was sharing with you francis earlier that i um, entertained our five grandchildren today it was a busy house and, <laughs> yes. and there was a lot of do you noise. have any recollection mark in the midst of <laughs> I, all that i, I do, hope but so i'm not going to share it right okay. now no they're great it was wonderful but yes, let's not uh, um, you know mistake you're not going to find silence in that environment well um, except for the interior silence except for the interior silence and what I think Teresa is, is calling us to here is we can dispense with all that external noise. We can even begin to, um, you know, calm our spirit a little bit. But the Lord is only going to speak to us in that silence, in that real silence. The silence of what? The silence of thought, the silence of memory, the silence of emotion, the silence of the passions. All those things have to be silenced. Can we do that on our own? No, we can't. And we know we can't. We have to bring ourselves through this practice of recollection into that state where the Lord can begin to do that work, the purification of our intellect, the purification of our of our memory. Um, 
is really his work. Now, he will do it both through the activities of our life. We're not talking about that in this particular program, uh, the challenges that we face and obstacles uh, that we have to overcome throughout the course of our daily life. But in the context of prayer, that's what we're talking about here. But then we get to the next difficult uh, aspect, Francis, and this is an area where John helps us again, um, and that is that we will fear that quiet, we'll fear that um, sense of um, of peace almost. We won't feel like we're doing much. We yeah. won't feel like we're actively engaged enough. And yeah. we'll say, well, gee, this can't be prayer because I'm I'm just sitting here in the dark. How can this be prayer? Yeah, this is, a, a sense, this is a sense we want to control things. So we really are going to have to. The, the Lord is giving this opportunity to abandon ourselves into his hands, to surrender control. Because, you know, we're going from all this active kind of prayer into very receptive, open, passive of prayer where God's going to do the work. Thank God that he's going to do the work because that's how we'll progress now. <laughs> For many of us, one of the most difficult things is realizing that we can't do this on our own. This is why uh, I argue, at least in, in part, this is why St. Therese of Lisieux is a saint today. Her teaching on spiritual childhood is so much more powerful than just the idea of dependence on God, right? It's the recognition that she had and that she spoke of so well that we cannot um, raise ourselves, if you will. We have to rely on a parent to raise us. A parent has to guide us. And in the spiritual world, the same is true. Teresa says this, At most, a gentle word from time to time is sufficient. This is her entering into recollection. As in the case of one uh, who blows on a candle to enkindle it again when it begins to die out. But if the candle is burning, blowing on it will, in my opinion, serve no other purpose than to simply put it out. And what she's saying here is we've got to let the candle burn now. We've entered a state of recollection. We've acquired some degree of peace, of simplicity, entering into the silence. We've calmed our passions. And now we have to kind of sit and wait for our Father to come along and do some of the work. And this is a very difficult stage for many of us to sit um, and believe that nonetheless we're accomplishing something. Well, I have to remind our listeners, when you're, when you're working on this, it's, it's that you're fighting the battle to get quiet. And, you know, here comes all these uh, things from your intellect and your memory coming around, these wild horses that Teresa was talking about. And so then you just have to keep, you know, setting those aside and just coming back. And that is effort. So if you're thinking you're doing nothing, (laughs) no, you're fighting a battle, just bringing yourself back to God within. And that is uh, really laudable. And we want to encourage you to do that. And so um, we have to know that our will has been made captive as we gaze on God in this silent wonder and awe. I'm thinking of the book of Revelation where heaven was silent for a half hour. I'm like, what are they doing? Well, they're in such awe of this great, magnificent God. So yet when this intellect and memory are roaming around, um, Teresa counsels us when, when the soul finds itself in this quiet, it shouldn't pay any more attention to all this other stuff. She says it shouldn't pay any more attention to the intellect than it would to a madman. <laughs> I like her phrase there. So uh, the effort is to keep trying to focus on God within. Yeah, and she says just the sentence before that, she said the last vestiges of the wild horses are hanging on for dear life. <laughs> I love <laughs> yeah. that. She's so creative in her uh, her expression. But this is what she's talking about. You know, the, those thoughts, those memories, they're, they're slowly being overcome by what? By, by um, 
you know, a stronger intellectual reason, by a louder shout, by, by uh, uh, you know, pressure. No, no, no. They're being overcome by love, mm-hmm. by gentleness, by kindness, by mercy, by peace, yeah, by so simplicity. If you, if you find yourself getting angry, then, then you know you've got to go the other direction. Because <laughs> yeah. you're like, I'm so frustrated because I'm so distracted. But you just let it go. Let that go by the wayside and just go back to God, showing that you want to be with him. It is just a look. Um, you know, it's not to think much, it's to look and to love. All yeah. right. St. John of the Cross, I mentioned a moment ago, uh, talks about this. Now, we're beginning to enter into a discussion more closely aligned with contemplation, according to John. But the counsel is still true. And this is from the Dark Knight, Book 1, uh, Chapter 11. Such persons, now these are the persons we're talking about who've entered into recollection, they've experienced that peace that Francis talked about, that joy, uh, that calming of their spirit, the recognition of the simplicity of all that uh, their life is about. He said, such persons should not mind if the operations of their faculties are being lost to them. There's that lost again. Mm -hmm. Uh, They should desire rather that this be done quickly so that they may be no obstacle to the operation of infused contemplation, which will follow. Uh, That's uh, my uh, uh, statement there, not John's. Uh, The infused contemplation of God, uh, which God wishes to bestow. Right, so So the prayer of recollection, especially the passive form, is what's opening us to this prayer of quiet, which is really uh, a mystical grade of prayer, and uh, one in which... Uh, you know, it's not us doing, it's God doing. So we're becoming passive, God is becoming active. We are dying to self so that the life of Christ may increase in us. We are going from darkness, the darkness of our self and our way of doing things, into the light of Christ. Yeah, our way of understanding, right? So God will work with that. He will work with our intellect. He will work with our limited capabilities, our emotions even, our physical uh, um, uh, bodies and so forth, and he'll he'll temper those as a means of gaining our attention and our focus, so that we will recollect ourselves. We will recollect all of that stuff and enter within. All of this terminology is very consistent. Um, and then what happens is we've got to let ourselves go. There's a transition. John talks about this very well. There's a transition that has to occur here, which is difficult for many of us. Um, And frankly, uh, Teresa says this is the point at which many people lose courage uh, and they begin to back away because what's literally happening is we are sort of losing control of the the, um, progress. We're no longer sort of dictating the outcome. We don't get to just say, well, I'm sitting in the chapel here for 30 minutes and I know what happens when I do that. Here's the experience that I have and I'm going to leave here with peace and joy and you know it's not going to be happening exactly that way anymore we're not going to get to define the outcome and I have to say we got to encourage everybody not to give up that is critical because a lot of people will stop praying at this point Uh, but this is a transition period to the uh, higher mansions uh, uh, like if we were talking about the interior castle and the seven grades of prayer the seven mansions this is a transition a bridge from what the soul does in the first three mansions to the last three um, where God is predominant. So this this is basically the fourth mansion period with this passive recollection and this prayer of quiet. Now, the best scripture verse, I think, that defines this um, experience, this phenomena from Luke 5, 4 is, and this was a favorite 
verse of John Paul II, by the way, a great contemplative. The verse is, put out into the deep water. Of course, we remember this is Christ uh, counseling Peter uh, after a bad night of fishing, uh, to, or a bad day, rather, to go out again and cast his nets out again. And he says, put out into the deep water. What is the deep water? What's the analogy there? Good, good phrase for meditation, Francis, what we were talking about earlier in reading. But let's just unpack it a little bit. I think put it's the out. ocean of divine mercy. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also the ocean of the unknown, right? The deep water yes. means we don't know what's underneath. We don't really know what we're going to experience. And we use this analogy of, all right, I have to row out of the harbor. I've got to get my boat past the other boats and past the dock and past the edge of find the my jetty. Quiet, find yeah. my quiet place. <laughs> I've got to row out. I've got some work to do. But once I get out into that deep water, I can hoist my sail and I can let the spirit take over there. It's a good analogy to understand yes. what happens. And it's a little difficult. Now, we're not going to get to control the sail. So don't think, well, that's okay. I'll just control the sail. Because yeah, no. the spirit <laughs> blows where it yeah, will. <laughs> that's right. You don't get to control the sail. You have to You have to sit back in the in the boat now. But this is a good let thing. let them take over. This is yeah. a good thing. we yeah. got to remember that God's in charge here. And the more we allow him to be who he is and don't put limits on him, the better off for us. Yeah, I agree. This is, um, as we said, it's a state of transition. And uh, uh, Osuna has some other comments on his treaties that, that we can highlight and, and sort of understand where he's going uh, in terms of his counsel to us. He says, um, may the person, this is what's happening now, may the person and the spirit walk together. In one of the earlier programs we talked about, um, I think it was last week, the, the disconnect that we have, why this is so difficult, is that our material being and our spiritual being are, are separated. They don't work in concert with one another. In fact, the spirit is driven by uh, our mind, our memories, our, our, uh, our will even is distracted. Um, Teresa told us that at some point the will is taken captive. Our will has been made captive, she says, and we gaze upon him in silent wonder and awe. And in doing so, we're beginning to realign now our intellect, our memory, and our will. So our spirit and our material life are coming back into uh, alignment. How the soul is to be with God, Deosuna says, it should be blind, deaf, and dumb, and also meek. Well, that doesn't sound very admirable, blind, deaf, and dumb. But the, I think St. John the Cross speaks of that, blind, deaf, and dumb at some point, right? He does. And what, what he's saying is meekness is the virtue that enters into this, by the way. Meekness, humility, humility. acceptance of, of uh, the reality of our condition. Humility is not, as so many me people, uh, I think, at times misunderstand, humiliation upon humiliation upon humiliation. It's simple acceptance of the reality of our condition, of the human condition. We are dependent creatures, and thankfully we're dependent on an all-knowing and an all-loving God. Praise God. <laughs> Becoming blind, deaf, and dumb, may, as I said a moment ago, doesn't sound like very admirable traits, but the truth of the matter is we have to, in all humility and through meekness, recognize that we cannot perfect ourselves. That work is finally not our work. It is the Lord's work, but we do own the responsibility of predisposing ourselves to that work being done within us. And, if we, co and cooperating with the grace at yeah, hand. Exactly. And if we try to retain control, that's not cooperating with that grace. Yeah, and that's really cutting ourselves off from this lifeline to this infinite. Um, so whew, let's, the, the, let's free ourselves by just plunging in. <laughs> 
the fourth treatise he talks about emptying our heart and pouring out all the created things. We've talked about this before as well. This need for us to practice detachment, practice abandonment, practice, um, you know, the physical, natural ways of doing this. As Francis mentioned earlier, turn off that radio, move away from that television, put some of those uh, magazines down, uh, maybe not engage in that wall, uh, uh, the, uh, the water cooler conversation in the middle of the afternoon. Whatever it is that allows you to withdraw a little bit. Examine and be experienced in perfecting all your works. We have to work at trying to perfect our works. What does that mean? The simplest and easiest way to perfect our works is to say, I commit this to you, Lord. I want to do this to glorify God. I want to do this, Lord, as a way of uh, of praising you, of worshiping you, and I'll do that through my very uh, daily work. Um, practicing recollection and obviously training. A lifelong Deo- journey. Yeah, yeah. Deo Suna says this. We will need to study. We will need teachers. We will need spiritual guides. He's, he's not um, holding back, I think, on his counsel in this regard. We have got to really take some time uh, to do some reading. He's a great source. Uh, St. Teresa, of course, is, uh, we would argue, perhaps the best source in this regard, the way of perfection, the interior castles. Um, but, you know, if we're going to be, um, Francis, for you and I, uh, good Carmelites, we've got to study. We've got to take some time to understand. But then we've got to take that time to be, uh, obviously, in intimate uh, relationship with the Lord. We will learn more in 30 minutes of silence in a chapel than we could through hours of study. This is St. John. This is not me. But St. John talks about this, right? Um, uh, heaping uh, you know, knowledge upon knowledge upon knowledge doesn't transform our heart, doesn't, doesn't change us. Um, and, of course, we said this before, thoughts are the start of the war, if you will. We've got to dispense with them. Right. And he also says, may your tears of recollection be weapons in the fight for glory. All right. So it, it, it may not feel so easy, but, boy, once you're on that path, Teresa tells us, you know, within, you know, very quickly, you'll you'll be on the road to these deeper grades of prayer, which really is a deeper relationship with God. Yeah, and some of those tears, of course, we know are the uh, difficult experiences uh, that we go through in life, but uh, many of them, quite frankly, will be the difficulty of the revelation of who we are, right? right. That's a challenge for us. That's a great challenge. And I think Ducina s- speaks in one of his treaties, I think it was the 14th one, he says, always correct your soul with love and not in anger, because how many of us get impatient with ourselves or angry because we don't meet the uh, expectation that we have for ourselves? Yeah. And that is a lack of humility. That's our own pride. So, you know, I like this um, this uh, treatise that he says, correct your soul with love and not in anger. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember the uh, Archbishop Fenelon, who, of course, defended uh, Brother Lawrence on the, uh, on the uh, practice of the presence of God, talks about never defend yourself before God for the things that you've done. But he also says, uh, but never criticize yourself. In other words, simply be honest, right? Confession is not, oh, woe is me sort of thing. It's an honest, objective uh, analysis of our behavior that is less than uh, what God expects from us. That should be our uh, act of reconciliation. But we shouldn't judge ourselves before God. Oh, how terrible I am. Oh, how awful I am. Um, you know, uh, uh, good confessors will tell us we shouldn't feel this uh, sort of fear in, in, in our confessional. Uh, so blending that, don't defend yourself before God, but don't judge yourself before God. Don't criticize yourself before God. These are important counsels as well. 
So uh, we only have a couple minutes left. So how we, how should we wrap up our program? Oh, I think it's always a good idea to wrap it up with uh, with prayer, and then we can reflect on the prayer. You mentioned you have a, a prayer with uh, Elizabeth of the Trinity, and I'm sure we can find <laughs> we, something to say. Yeah, about that. We know Mark loves Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity. That's his favorite. Well, you know, before light, we do that, I did want you to go ahead and uh, provide the other reference that we have in the studio with us this evening. Uh, this is a um, a, a short. Uh, pamphlet, if you will, a trifold titled The Prayer of Recollection, uh, St. Teresa of Avila. It's just a, a simple uh, trifold, as I mentioned, and it goes through really all of what we've been discussing this evening on the Prayer of Recollection. And you can get this through the Institute of Carmelite Studies as well. Uh, that is excellent. Yeah. That's uh, the icspublications.org. Again, icspublications.org. Just ask for the Prayer of Recollection, St. Teresa of Avila. I don't think it's particularly expensive. Oh, uh, no. It, it, you can get a bunch of them for like six bucks. Uh, yeah. So it's well worth it because it teaches you what this Prayer of Recollection is. And we know from all this discussion we've had the last two weeks that this Prayer of Recollection leads you more quickly than other ways into a the deeper grades of prayer and deeper relationships. So, so if you want to grow in your love for God, this is an excellent one, and it's fairly new. It was just put out this summer, and so I want to encourage all of you to go look that up and see if you can get it uh, put in your church, um, in the vestibule area, or where wherever you gather your materials to share. Uh, get your parish priest approval, of course. But uh, it is excellent. It was put uh, created by our. Um, Discalced Carmelite Friars, and it is beautiful. So it talks about that prayer, and then it leads you through the steps. So it's, it's very nice. But, okay, we, we have this closing prayer from a Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity. And let's get recollected. Get yourself within, in your soul. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Help me, O Lord. To attain this beautiful interior unity which unites all my faculties in silence in order to concentrate them on you, which makes my soul attentive to every one of your words, capable of perceiving the slightest inspiration and motion of the Holy Spirit. O eternal word, utterance of my God, I long to spend my life in listening to you, to become wholly teachable, that I may learn all from you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, a reminder, you've been listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Please join us next week for a series that we'll be doing on St. Joseph and Carmel. God bless. Listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. The program you just heard was a rebroadcast of Carmelite Conversations.